hello, you're listening to Diminishing Returns with myself, Sol Harris, the number one zombie expert on YouTube, (laughs) self-proclaimed. On this Uh, joining me, as always, is Mr. Alan Turing, who you Hello, just heard there. Hello. And joining us for the second time? It is the second time. Of many, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, we have Grace. Grace Miller. Is it Miller? Have I just imagined yeah. that? Yeah, that's my name. It's Miller. I'll go with that. Uh, well, last time you were on the show, it was to cover Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, I believe. It was indeed. And somehow we got talking about South Korean uh, zombie TV drama, Kingdom. Yes, which I still haven't watched, unfortunately. Oh, Grace. I know, I need to sort my (laughs) life out. Uh, But somehow, I don't know, somehow we got onto the topic of South Korean zombie cinema, essentially. That's the the segue I'm clumsily forcing my way through here. (laughs) And uh, now you've come back to join us for Train to Busan. And and I really on that topic I must say I don't know what's happened the last few years culturally or pop culturally but South Korea is just smashing it out of the fucking park with regards to zombie content. I I don't know what's happened but since 2016 they're obsessed with zombies and they're just Was it this film it out. by any chance? Possibly. But I mean I don't know where this film came from really. Yeah, but this one was a big success and others following in suit. Possibly, but you know, the, the Kingdom, like I say, Kingdom, this samurai zombie show on Netflix, very big budget production for what it is, uh, very impressive stuff. Um, and also there's there's a film I saw a trailer for that's coming out soon called Alive, hashtag Alive, <laughs> which is, wow. is also a terrible, terrible name for a film. But again, it's a South Korean zombie film and the trailer looks absolutely fantastic. Like I cannot wait to watch it. Well, Salt, you obviously wanted us to do Train to Busan because you're a big zombie fan. Um, I yeah. hadn't heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. So. But, you know, we're, we're not just doing it for the hell of it. There, There is a second, well, a third Train to Busan movie coming out uh, this year. A big, big budget sequel, um, which we're doing this to tie into. Uh, we probably wouldn't have normally tied into a South Korean release, but... The current state of the world as it is, and the lack of uh, cinemas open in, mm. well, the likes of the UK and the USA. We're, we're looking to South Korea now, I suppose. But also, you know, Train to Busan is a weird one, because it was a real, you know, Parasite can go fuck itself. Train to Busan was a real, like, breakout mainstream hit. Mm. I, I know loads of people, friends and acquaintances, who would never sit down to watch a South Korean film under under normal circumstances, who have watched Train to Busan and love it. I, I didn't know of the film particularly, you mentioned it, and I'm not someone who gravitates towards zombie films, so I hadn't picked it up myself. Just to sort of give a general view straight up front, now I've watched it, Um, you know, I've seen zombie films, look, I've seen a fair few zombie films before, so I did not get anything out of this film that I feel I haven't seen before. And that's my my general my my kind of general take on this is decent film but did nothing new whatsoever. So I I am really very glad to hear you say that to be honest because the one thing I keep seeing in coverage of this film is how it breathes fresh life into a, a an oversaturated genre and oh you think you've seen zombie movies think again and I've heard so many variations on that but there's nothing in this film remotely new or, or fresh to me either. Um, but I was wondering if that was just because I've seen zombie movies before. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear you have the same opinion. <laughs> like for me, it was just it was refreshing to see a zombie film that didn't rely on getting loads of guns. Hmm. I, I hadn't thought of that to be fair. Yeah. 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 Because you know it's what? Not an That's American film, a fair point. That yeah. Actually seeing yeah. how would real people deal with the situation, people who don't happen to have a load of guns in their cupboard. like, And I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a really different mm. way of looking at it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I I don't know. I, I guess I've seen a lot of zombie films that do do that, but I don't think I've seen any that do that on this scale. 
And one thing I will say, uh, we, we've, we're yet to cover World War Z on this podcast. I think we will get to that film at some point. But just to very broadly get into it now, I think World War Z is a phenomenal, phenomenal book that was absolutely desecrated when it was turned into a piece of shit uh, <laughs> PG-13 Pepsi commercial starring Brad Pitt. It is an <laughs> appalling film. But the one thing that that film did bring to the table was this notion of zombies as a like a natural f- force. You know, they behave like they swarm. They behave like a more like a hurricane or or something than just individual monsters in yeah. a lot of ways. But it was wasted because World War Z was a, an absolute piece of shit. And Train to Busan kind of picks up that mantle. I don't know if they took direct influence from from that film's depiction of zombies, or if they were just kind of landing upon this idea themselves. Because, you know, it's kind of... I, I, I would argue it stems from the world of video games, if anywhere. There, there are many popular video games that just throw swarm after swarm of zombies at you. But I, I do think it's very refreshing, and I suppose the one thing that this film has that is kind of refreshing is... Yeah, the zombies are just beyond. They're they're like super beings, and you know they 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 swarm at you. They they you know. There's a scene where one of them grabs onto a train, and then hundreds of zombies yeah. are grabbing oh, yeah. onto you the back got... of the zombie to the point that they start <laughs> weighing the train down because there's so many of them. There's several instances where they just literally spill out from shattering windows because they've mm. piled up. Uh, there's a scene where they're like swarming over helicopters and falling off them and just getting up and running. You know, that that kind of thing is really cool. And I think this is the first time I've seen it done well. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give it credit for that. Yeah, I think they use it in the right points. It's not like constant, but like those moments, those eruptions of zombies are just really satisfying mm. to watch. <laughs> yeah. But I, I suppose on that note, it's, you know, I, I really think of this as more of an action movie than a horror movie. You know, I, I, I love zombies and I love them for how potentially scary I find them. But I think there's something to the poetry of, of you know, the slum, the, the sort of shambolic shuffling corpse that never stops, that will just follow you to the end of the earth kind of thing. I, I find that far more... Yeah. Scary. Although I don't know, I, I I was talking about this with my girlfriend a while ago. What scares us? Because she finds slasher movies terrifying, much like Calvin. And what it kind of came down to is, I think for me, and I think this is the same reason stuff like The Wicker Man gets under my skin. I realised for me, what really scares me is this sense of hopelessness. So that you know, if if you're in a situation that is international, worldwide. There's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide, everyone's in on it. That gets under my skin. Whereas, you know, if there's a man coming at you with a knife, I think, I don't know if it's my white male privilege or what have you, but there's part of my brain that always just thinks, well, you can fight him back, or like there's a problem to solve there, you know? Run mm. away, or. It's weird, because this movie, it does trigger that childhood thing where zombies freak me out because it is very much a hopeless situation. I must admit I don't I didn't get you just said uh you thought of this film more of an action than a horror. Yeah. And it hadn't even occurred to me that it could be a horror, to be honest. <laughs> so <laughs> obviously I felt the same way. Uh I hadn't even considered that idea. It's not something that's gonna give you nightmares, is it? It's not gonna stay with you. I think it gets your heart racing. And I think it's trying to be scary, but it just it's like Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, or... Mm, I was going to say the Wreck movies, but I think they are actually more effective as horror films. Um, but yeah, it just it doesn't quite... By showing the downfall of society in such a spectacular, thrilling way, it's difficult to really focus in on how scary it has the potential to be, you know? I, I think if we had more of the situations with people one-on-one with the zombies it it could have been but Mm. yeah and there's a sense of elasticity with regards to how much of a threat they are as well you know at times they're you know they grab someone and they're gone but at other points in the film yeah three people can fight their way with fists through 
a big horde of them quite successfully. Yeah, I noticed you using the word elasticity there, Sol, as opposed to inconsistency. (laughs) 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 The curious use of language. Uh, Yeah, I found... Uh, it's not too bad, but yeah, there's definitely like the zombies will do what yeah, they need them to it, do in the situation. You know, it, it, again, it was really bothering my girlfriend who was pointing out all these as if that had happened, as if this had happened. And you know, most of the time, I was like, well, you know, they're they're three fit young men. He's obviously very muscular. Most of the people we've seen being taken on, are, uh, you know, little old ladies. It's not completely unbelievable or you know like pieces of glass like when they they're struggling to lock those doors for 10 minutes and then as soon as they lock them they shatter and zombies get out yeah. she was saying you know as if they'd shatter right at that moment and i was like well you know they, they, there's a difference in That's tensile strength if That's you're right. if you're pushing back compared to a door being locked i you know i can I can forgive it for those things. There's usually a, a weak argument I can make in its defence for most of these things. I think I never. That's the, that's the thing. I never got. I never got away from as much as I. I didn't. I didn't dislike the film. I thought it was a good film, but I never got away from the. I've seen this all before feeling. And so what you're saying there, like yeah. being on the edge of your seat, or like what's going to happen to them? What's going? It's like all these characters, like, oh, the asshole businessman, oh, the the, yeah. the kind of negligent dad who learns to love, um, you know, the the man who's looking after his wife. The guy's a bit of a dick, but then as you get to know him, you realise he's actually quite a big, lovable guy yeah. who, you know, cares about people. Yeah, it, 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 it's... I, I agree, and, you know, I, I think I'm probably going to be more positive about it because I'm so desperate for zombie content that isn't completely terrible. Yeah. You know, I, I love my zombie movies, and I'm I'm very happy to watch something where I've seen it all done before, if it's done well. So I, I will settle very happily for, oh, this is, this is a competent zombie movie. How quaint. Um, but... I don't know. I, I I was disappointed with this film when I first watched it, honestly, because it had such hype surrounding it. It was this big breakout South Korean film. Like I say, I know loads of people who aren't big film goers who, who were raving about it. So, you know, I think it's one of the highest grossing South Korean films of all time. And when I finally got round to it, like, I do like it. I think it's a very good film. But even beyond, oh, I've seen this all before, I, I don't think it's that amazing. I think the mm. pacing is a bit off. I think it. I think it's too long. I don't think it's as focused as it should be. I mean, you, the concept of this film is zombies on a train, essentially. But then it isn't, because there's all these sequences where they get off the train and then get on another train and then get off the train. And I, I kind of feel like if it was just a bit more focused in, a bit more of a, a cinematic bottle episodes yeah everything's just on one carriage more... yeah, yeah I, I i don't know that's kind of what i was expecting from it and it yeah it's interesting yeah, i don't know what you said there about uh you know this you know a lot of people who you wouldn't consider film filmy people like it that, that might be a reason why you know perhaps we are slightly unimpressed because we have seen it all before you know some people haven't seen as much uh, nonsense action films as we have um, yeah. But also, this is a general thing, and it goes to, say, Parasite and, and stuff like that as well. I think there is a bit of a condescending sense of like, oh, look, that's a good film, and it's foreign. Ooh, did you know the foreigners could make films just like we can? Isn't that <laughs> nice? Look at that. They're doing well, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. I always get a little bit of a sense of that when there's a crossover here, mm. especially when it's a genre thing. For me, as a non-filmy person, like I am your average gal who likes to watch films occasionally, um, I'm not, you know, deeply entrenched in it like you guys. And I, I didn't really know what I was going to expect going into this. I, for some reason, I thought it was an animated film, so I was a bit, bit surprised when I started watching it. Well, uh, are, are you familiar with Soul Station, the um, sequel? Oh, maybe that's where I'm getting confused. I yeah, that seen... I was well. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, the the sequel was an animated film, so I imagine you've read something about that and conflated yeah, it. That's probably where my brain was going a different way. So I was completely just like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. 
Um, obviously, it's a zombie film, so I have an idea what's going on, but like not knowing what to expect. Mm. And for me, it just like uh, you, I, you just said that you've got some problems with the pacing, but like for me, it just, like I didn't feel like it spent too long on anything that wasn't necessary. I felt like they yeah, got I, I, to the point where they were going that you got yeah. to know the characters. You know, they are archetypal sort of roles, yeah. so you kind of go, okay, I know what's going on here, and I can probably understand why his wife left him. I, I think that's it. Like they, there's nothing remarkable about any of the characters, but they work. You know, you do empathise with them. You do I find like yourself it. wanting them to survive for the most part. I shed um, tears. Yeah, certainly the big for me the the standout character is the the husband of the pregnant woman who mm. um, who is a, a personal trainer, I think, to actors and people in South Korea and. I've seen he has actually been cast in Marvel's The Eternals alongside Angelina Jolie and Kumail Nanjiani, so seems like he's going to be getting a shot at Hollywood. Any of all, of all the people in this film that you look at and go could cross over, yeah, he's oh the absolutely, one. yeah, completely, because because he's he seems to. Have, I don't know. His face portrays a lot of personality straight away. And... He's he's got a very unique likeable face, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I think there's just something something very warm about him yeah. <laughs> that you get. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Whereas the the, the, the sort of main guy, uh, I guess, the lead, who is the... Oh, yeah, yeah. The kind of yuppie type uh, who's not particularly great with his daughter because he's a work guy, not a family guy. I don't know. Didn't do anything for me. Uh, not that You think that's bad? Remember the time I ignored my yeah. daughter to get on a train not, with zombies guy, no. um <laughs> yeah he just and it's i think it's part of the character he never emotes really and and throughout this whole thing you know in which he does sort of somewhat learn that's, a lesson that's the about, cheap animation you know, isn't it seth MacFarlane, he's he's very criticized for animating everyone on the cheap on a 90 degree angle there's not much emotion in the animation unless they're doing like a parody of a disney movie or something and uh, well, the the so obviously you know throughout the thing we do get a sense that he's learned that his daughter is important, but I don't think there's much of a character arc there. Yeah, to to be honest, I don't even I don't even get the sense that he's learnt she's important. It's more that he's learnt that that he's gonna die. He's least. not conveying it enough to her. Do you know what I mean? That, it's like because uh, still at, the, at no point, even at the end, does he embrace her, tell her, tell her he loves her. Or re- even particularly reassure her in any way. <laughs> I just it may it, it, it if you yeah. missed the beginning of that film, you'd assume he was just some business guy on the train, and this little kid was lost, and he was like, "Oh God, I've got to help this kid now." But he he does, you know, he does um, he does make something of a an ultimate sacrifice to save her and the the other woman at the end. But the, the the perhaps the problem with that is that it's about ten minutes earlier we saw a homeless tramp do exactly the same sacrifice for them. Yeah, there is a lot of self sacrifice in this film. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the it, first it does undermine it Mister yeah. Personal Trainer, which was one of the hardest ones emotionally. You're kind of yeah. by the time it's dad at the end, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, I I I've heard a lot of people talk about shedding tears at this film, and I don't know, maybe I'm a sociopath, but I have to say it doesn't it doesn't even begin to reach me on that level, this film. Neither, I've watched it twice now, yeah, and it just it doesn't... I don't know, I, 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 I kind of think, oh no, my favourite character's gonna die, but, you know, cool, cool end to his time in the film. And then the other people that die, it's just kind of like, oh, yeah. And when the dad dies at the end, it, you know, and he's thinking about his daughter as a baby, I'm like, oh, get on with it. <laughs> yeah, I really hated that moment. I was just like, this is, no, we don't need this flashback of you remembering how much you loved your baby when she was born. Like, it's not necessary at all. Mm. Perhaps putting in, I love you or something nice like that before he decides to go yeah. might have been a bit more emotive rather than yeah. just some I, I think maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just because you're you're dealing with ideas of parenthood and children, but you're also dealing with like train imagery. And so it just makes me think about all those fucking little annoying kids whenever I've like got a train and there's a baby <laughs> crying. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, was, I honestly thought you were going to talk about evacuation during the war then. They're like putting kids <laughs> onto trains and didn't know if you were going to see them again. Or, uh, <laughs> oh. But you know what? There's there's lots of things that don't quite pay off. Like There's all sorts of stuff about our main guy who is like on the phone to his business partner or, or his junior or whatever it was. And, and there's like... Are we responsible for this? Like, you get the sense that he's done yeah. some, like, his yeah. sort of, you know, his negligence just... is the reason all this has happened. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any malice, but maybe it's like, oh, we've been cutting corners to make money, and then that's what this has broken out or whatever. And uh, But that doesn't really pay off, because even within his character arc, you don't get this sense of redemption that he well, sacrifices himself. It's for the, too for that. vaguely hinted at to get anything out of it, you know? It's, mm. yeah. There are a couple of things like that. Um, for example, where, you know, we see a TV news kind of report and the reporter is saying, like, trust the government, do this, do this, trust the government. And yeah, that kind I, of, I, 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 I don't know enough about Korean culture to say, is that just kind of standard rhetoric or is that kind of... I think, it, I, I, I don't know, but my read on that is that it is just, you know, in a zombie movie, you get your sequence where they have a few news reports, and yeah. maybe you get maybe you get a BBC reporter, you know, in. An it felt like there was some... some sort of comment, though, especially the moment when they said, "For the best of our knowledge, your safety is not in jeopardy," and that is matched yeah. up with the city in flames. Yeah, and yeah. I think that must be say, trying to say something. Well, yeah, I think I think there's a satirical dig at the government being shit. Yeah. But to be honest, I, you know, watching it last night, you could do the same thing with Boris Johnson. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if it's unique to that, Korean culture. That's what culture. I mean. Is it, is it how... how the, the, like, it, it's... An obvious thing to do here is to, to relate this film to kind of the the pandemic that we're dealing with at the moment and, and kind of yeah. that sort of sense. And, you know, one of the things that's really kind of bothered me most about this whole lockdown thing is when I was in a supermarket and this voice came over the thing, you know, like a recorded message saying, you know, please, please keep two meters apart. And then it was like something like it is everyone's duty to keep the people safe. Trust the government. Like it didn't actually say trust the government, but it was some like weirdly, well, to to make the obvious thing, a 1984 feel kind of the announcement of, you know, do as you're told, trust the government. And I was like, oh, that is really creepy. Um, so... I don't know if when I saw that in this film, that's kind of how it felt to me. Not necessarily unrealistic, but is it making a point? Is it being slightly satirical somehow? Yeah, um, I, I know what you mean, and it's it is interesting because obviously when I first saw this film, it was you know it, it wasn't the height of a worldwide viral pandemic. What is interesting to me, and and I don't think we get much of it in this film, and I think it's something we will be seeing in zombie films in in the, in not too distant future. Is that the the actual infection as it, as it is in terms of real life our coronavirus thing? That's not really the big issue anymore. It's the steps that have been taken to deal with it, and the and the problems that are causing on a social level. So, oh, I mean, that's been you know that's been the zombie movie standard since Night of the Living Dead, though. You know, it's you know it's a real comment about um a number of things and you know pretty much every zombie movie since then is really not every single one but the vast majority have looked to criticize humanity and society as a whole and we've never quite got one that digs into the governmental response that I, as much as i would like so that is something i'm hoping we do get out of people's desire to satirize what's going on in the world at the moment yeah but... it's something we 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 dealt with with uh shin godzilla uh i mm. think to, exactly to, to a exactly extent. when we dealt with the godzilla films the most recent japanese godzilla film was all about the governmental response to it and how it was slapdash and, yeah and well yeah and it was very much a response to the japan government's response to the um the nuclear uh, crisis they were dealing with as a result of um was it a tsunami but obviously they was had all sorts of nuclear waste and things spilling out into the ocean that they then had to patch up and it, it was a real you know satirical criticism of that but the, the but in this in this film the only the only time we ever really get close to this and it was one bit where i was like ooh that's that's interesting is when you know the the survivors like fight their way through a load of zombies to get to the safe area and the people won't let them in 
And then so they eventually get in and then there's this standoff between the two groups. And unfortunately, it kind of extinguishes itself before it even gets anywhere. Whereas I, I well, feel like that really... could be a whole third act yeah. of your film, couldn't it? Like, Yeah, but even that, you know, that's such a cliche. And I don't know, it's just very, it's like they're obviously not infected. So it just didn't yeah, work for me. Yeah, it didn't quite play, did it? And, they, and... it do you know what I mean? It, it, and, and, and one thing I do think we might get down the line is, you know, zombie movies where the infection takes two weeks to manifest so yeah. you don't know who's infected and who isn't or that kind of thing that seems like a, a likely response to the world we're living in right now but that isn't what they're dealing with here you know they're, they're dealing with a very clear-cut people who are infected by this thing turn within about 30 seconds and it's very um, apparent as well yeah 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 they they, they get big throbbing veins and, and cloudy eyes and start speaking gibberish and then run at you snarling like they're obviously not infected so it just doesn't really play for me that that bit in the third act plus like i say that you know i've seen that that's yet another zombie cliche that i've seen a million times but unlike cliches of someone standing near a a window and a door and then a zombie comes smashing through it and like grabs around their neck unlike cliches like that this isn't a cliche that I want to watch a hundred million times. Like, there's certain bits of zombie imagery and tropes that I can just watch over and over and over and I won't get bored of. But the whole, we're not going to let you in to our safe bit. Again, you know, again, that's Night of the Living Dead did that with the guy in the house not wanting to let the other people in the house and mm. trying to kick them out. And... And, and, and I also think that that's... You know, not wanting to let some people in because they could be infected is a perfectly valid place to be. Uh, and I, but yeah. I also think this film expresses it in a way that, look, this guy's a total arsehole and we all know he's an arsehole, okay? So, like, we, we're never given a sense of grey area here. Well, it's it's expressed in a way where, you know, he get the guy punches him in the face for not letting them in. And then he gets up and he goes, look, he's infected, he's infected! It's expressed like a comedic... Oh, he knows he's not infected, and he's just yeah. trying to. Well, like that's exactly what I thought, him. and I thought then everyone else was going to go turn on him and say, "Oh, you're an asshole." Yeah, everyone else sort of backs him up and goes, "Look, we think you should leave," and it's like, "Well, that's I really didn't buy on. that because surely everybody should be able to see what a dick that guy is, and they're just they they get whipped up into the yeah. frenzy of thinking that and, he's and- right." Yeah, and it, you know, it could play if they had a character say, like, look, we don't know how this thing works. There could be mm. people who take hours to turn. Like, if they had a line of dialogue, I could maybe buy it. But it just, I don't know, it just doesn't play for me. I mean, it's I mean, a, a I... device to make the dad look slightly better because there's a more selfish prick on the train than him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plus, you know, you, you historically in a zombie movie have an overbearing prick who then gets, generally speaking, the worst death out of everyone. They are usually someone who gets the, uh, what zombie aficionados will call the Captain Rhodes death from Day of the Dead, where they are torn to pieces and watch as their entrails get eaten. And, you know, it's what David has happened to him in Shaun of the Dead. It's 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 the death reserved for the knobhead. <laughs> and, and that is this character. But that's it. He doesn't even have that... Mm karmic death at the end he just turns quite peacefully really all things considered um i mean i realize it's it's really a bit late to be doing this but for anyone who hasn't seen the film or needs a refresher there's there's not a lot to to talk about in terms of plot um you know again i think this might be part of why it's had such mainstream success is that you could probably get away with watching this film in in korean with no subtitles and <laughs> I think you'd more or less get everything out of it. Mm. Yeah, but, I agree. Actually, I think that's yeah. very true. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's not a, that's not to criticize it. It's just a very visual, action-heavy movie. But um, essentially, you know, there, there's a man who's looking after his daughter. They're a bit distant. They get on a train. They go into Busan. As they get on the train, you see, oh, there's some weird stuff happening. They see it on the TV. And there's a zombie who gets on the train and starts biting people. And essentially you have zombies on a train and then just these people trying to get to Busan where there's a military stronghold 
being chased by zombies. There's not really much more to it than that. Um, it's quite fun structurally as well. Like I enjoyed that kind of each carriage proposed a new puzzle that they kind of had to solve and how to work around it. They didn't just like fight through every single carriage. They kind yeah. of used their smarts to work around it once they learned more about the zombies. And I, I, I enjoyed that kind of seeing their adaption. Yeah, that you know that that is something I love in films is just seeing problem solving and like inventive problem solving. So, you know, the stuff that really gets me off in a movie is stuff like there's zombies at this window, they will chill out if we can stop them seeing us. Oh, I'm going to splash water on the glass and then stick newspaper yeah. to it and they can't see us anymore. That is the sort of stuff that makes me love a film. And there is quite a lot of that in this film, and it's mostly all thrown away. It's never like a huge part of it, so it's just kind of there, just a nice bit of icing on the cake, really. I mean, I, I what suppose... What do you think that, like, the device of, like, the zombies being able to see less well, or not be able to see at all when it's, like, dim a light? Because I don't... I, I've I've not seen that used as a zombie kind of trait I... before. Yeah, I was just about to say that that is the one element of fresh spin on the zombie mythology that I think this film gives us. I, I've never seen that done anywhere before. And, you know, it's, it is an interesting game mechanic, I suppose. It, it means that they've got tools at their disposal to work with for the puzzle solving of how do we get from this carriage to that carriage. Um, and it also allows for some nice tense sequences where people are trying to take advantage of it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how long it actually takes to pass through the kind of tunnels you get in Korea, but to me, it always felt a bit unrealistic how long the train goes dark for. But I don't know. Maybe they have huge long tunnels in in Korea that yeah. where you do get plunged into darkness for minutes at a time rather than ten seconds like it would be in the UK. I think. The, the the whole sort of blind zombies thing was nice. It, and, you know, their eyes are clouded over, so it's quite believable that it was mm. like, oh, they can sort of see a bit of shapes and colours and stuff, but they're not very, they haven't got very good vision. Mm. But mm. then play with that a bit more, or, or why? Yeah. Or yeah. can they not hear you at all? Because... Well, that, that's it. I, you know, if, if I wrote this film, I'd think, right, I've set that up. So the third act climax of the movie is going to be set at nighttime or something. Mm. Like, I, I don't know, just it feels like you could do something more with that. And yeah, and maybe then they'd be drawn to fire and explosions and you'd have other reason to like avoid certain areas. I don't know, it, just, it feels like a missed opportunity there. But, you know, I must say, you know, I, I literally have written stuff in zombie movies where people chuck a phone across the room and then dial the phone and try and distract them that way so you know it it, it does tap into as i say a lot of um th- i mean fuckers have stolen that scene that i'm gonna have to rewrite for a start <laughs> annoying but i think i think that's pro- perhaps the problem with the film in general like you were saying so you sort of said the pacing is a bit off. I think it's there's a lot of things that happen and get set up that just don't really pay off or, or just a lot of opportunities that don't go yeah, anywhere. It, and, and all we're doing is, here's a basic character type, here's the ending for them. It's not pacing so much as structure. Hmm. I, I think it's just that it feels like this should be such a clean film with like three acts. But it's actually a really quite meandering film with just a lot of wishy-washy, now we're doing this, now we're doing that. Now we're doing this bit that could have been in the previous bit, but we've saved it till now. If you let me in the edit room, I'm sure I could cut this by half an hour without losing anything, particularly mm. keeping it very pacey. I think I'd maybe re-edit it so that they don't get off the train and back on a train twice. They maybe get off a train once and then all that stuff happens and then they get on another train. Do you know what I mean? Because it, mm. it, it's just a bit episodic and stop-start as it is. I never got much of a sense of claustrophobia, which I feel like is kind of a no-brainer for a film like this where you're trapped mm. in a small space but I didn't really get much of that the only time it felt cramped was when they were actually fighting their way through and there was just p- too many people there and, and it the editing was just too slow to make it feel dynamic and it just felt clumsy which I actually quite yeah. liked because it was a bit more realistic of what like if you just yeah, kind of plow your yeah. way through 
Yeah, again, my girlfriend saw them getting ready to run out and fight these zombies and complained about how unrealistic it was for three guys to be taking them on when they'd just been mowing down, you know, seas of people. But then it starts to play out and you watch them fight and you do kind of think, like, well, I can see how they're fighting each individual zombie and landing the punches. It's like... it. On on paper, it is very unrealistic, but I'm seeing them do it, and it feels realistic to watch. So I, I think they get away with stuff like that very well in this film. They're, yeah, um, it's not like the zombies have any kind of superhuman strength or anything. It's just that they're, like, rabid. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, they've swarmed... They've got so many numbers on their side, or the element of surprise at other points. Um, you know, another thing I have to say in this film's defence is it is so rare so rare to see a zombie film with a substantial budget backing it up and mm. it's such a delight for me when you get it cuz even you you know generally pretty big uh, high end zombie movies uh, are lucky to get one scene with a hundred extras of zombies in a street you know whereas this film just it, it, the scale is legitimately huge at times, and just the number of people on screen, it, and and it really works. It really adds to it. That scene when they get out of the station, and then they're just confronted with a, a sea of of uh, military personnel who've been turned, yeah, who turn around and run after them. It's like shit. That's genuinely you know, uh, if not scary, it, it really tag taps into that sense of hopelessness that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, because you think, how the fuck are they going to get out of this because of the pure scale of it? And to see, yeah, a movie with actual money behind it is, is really satisfying. And to to see a South Korean film with actual money behind it as well, you know? I, I, I've not seen a huge number of, of big effects-heavy South Korean films because they, you know, presumably just don't have the same kind of money to play with. So, you know, the effects on show here are very impressive for, you know, presumably quite a small budget compared to Hollywood. And, you know, a lot of that is just big, practical things being blown up. But a lot of it is like little digital touches. There's a scene where the train crashes and you see inside and everyone kind of gets flo- like flung up against the... The ceiling is it in slow motion, and it's obviously digital, but it's the kind of thing that, generally speaking, if it's not a Hollywood film, or even if it is a Hollywood film, sometimes it would generally look shit, <laughs> and it looks legitimately decent. You know, it doesn't yeah. take you out of the film. You're not like, wow, that looked crap. I think just because they like use that. it sparingly yeah. as well. Like they use yeah. it in a right, yeah. right moment. There's enough practical stuff there to make to sell it and it's just to fill in those gaps rather than relying fully on everything being cgi yeah so i mean other than the effects and i suppose we've touched very loosely on the acting anything else we want to talk about i I think the cinematography is very bog standard but you know effective dynamic action movie stuff like it's you know it's it's done very well it's this. It's something that I, for some reason, I associate with Korean cinema a little bit, and I'm no expert by any means. But it always feels like there's very crisp, very sharp, distinct, yeah, like yeah. you know, very clean shots, clean minimalist kind of sets. Even when you st- you have clutter and and baggage and and all this sorts of stuff, it still feels quite clean. Every mm. the lighting is always uh, pin sharp. I I don't know. I can't. I don't know if I can really explain it well. Um, yeah, but it's something I associate with Korean cinema. I don't know particularly why that is. I think I agree with you actually. Yeah, I, I have the same idea of what Korean movies look like in my head. I think I had it in my head that that was just Bong Joon Ho's aesthetic, mm. really, because I think he he accounts for ninety percent of the South Korean movies that I've yeah. seen. Okay. But you're right. You know. It, it, I can't think of a South Korean film I've seen that doesn't really adhere to that kind of crispness, as you put it. Mm. There was a shot, like, quite early on, before they even get on the train, that I really like. It was when they were in the car, 
and um she just like the this ash had just fallen into her hand and you see their expressions both looking off in the distance at something going on and then as the camera pulls out you see then the reflection of the city burning yeah. Yeah. and I like the car window and it was I just I really liked it I thought oh this is pretty this is, <laughs> I don't know if that takes much effort but I liked it yeah yeah, yeah. That's nice. <laughs> how do you feel about female characters in this because I think they're really underserved and I don't know if that is a cultural difference I but... yeah I think it is I, I think the daughter is probably the most fleshed out female character and... but it's also a not a completely unfeminine character if you know what and, I mean if that was a little boy and that's it she's with it, so. she's only a couple of steps away from being a prop <laughs> and then the the one place where they really have an opportunity to to give us a cool interesting female character is the pregnant mm. uh wife of the bodybuilder man who you know ultimately ends the film as as the the guardian of that daughter and and one of two survivors of the entire film you'd think it would be forgiven to give her a bit of personality but she is just a completely blank slate very passive character for the most part yeah i mean she has her moments like she's the one who has the idea to throw the water on the glass door and everything oh, and, is that her? Yeah. Like, she has a bit of banter with her husband and but it's i mean like yeah it's it's not much but there it couldn't have been that hard to make even more out of that character like it just feels like all all the female female characters are there to be rescued so there's a little child well, a pregnant uh... woman an elderly lady you know what I mean? It's like they're all kind of set yeah. up to not be able to help themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you know, to give her some credit, she is a pregnant woman, yeah. so she's not just you know an incapable woman. But we don't get any sense of personality either, do we? It's like it's not it's not like a written character. And again, to give the film credit, I think she has every bit as much personality and fleshing out as the our protagonist, <laughs> the lead actor, who is a man. So I mean, yeah, the the character with the most personality is the personal trainer guy. Mm. Yeah, they're all very kind of simple characters because they're relying on the action, I suppose, of the film. One of the only characters who does jump out at me as having a bit of personality is the the younger woman who you know. There's this group of students, are they? Mm. Um, Baseball team, and she's. Yeah, she she's the the girl one who gets separated from the pack, and you know she she's played very much as like silly teenage girl, but she does have a very distinct voice in the film. You know, when, yeah. when she's doing stuff, it's like oh, she actually has a character, which is more than I could say about the male train conductor, for example. I I got a bit confused with the um, you know, the sisters. Why the, the old lady yeah. still standing in the door when she could have just walked in? What, the inexplicable bit where they just kill one of them off for, like... Yeah. Just cause. It just feels like the film was like, oh, no one's died in a few minutes. Uh... But we've just lost our favourite character. Yeah, I, I agree. That that scene... You lose that, the yeah. dying woman, and you, I didn't quite understand why she had to die at that point. Yeah, I agree. That scene doesn't play at all. It's very weird. It kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like she's just sat, not looking <laughs> in slow motion. The other sister sort of pulls a face like, oh, I don't know. It's just... Yeah. The I mean, I su- the purpose, I suppose, for the plot is that the sister then opens the door and lets all the zombies in. Which, again, is like... She obviously knows that's going to kill everybody. And as much as she can be like, well, they kind of helped my sister to die, so I don't care. It's still like on a film level, like that when you you set up the main sort of leader guy as the asshole, so he gets some sort of karmic punishment for all that is one thing. But for them all to die because they were scared is um, on a film level doesn't feel justified. I don't think it's meant as a revenge thing. I think it's meant in a kind of, oh, she's lost her mind in a kind of moment of grief-stricken madness and she's going out to see her sister kind of thing. But again, that is one of the most annoying and prevalent zombie movie cliches ever. I could list you so many films where that happens. I mean, arguably, 
kind of happens in Night of the Living Dead again, when Barbara is insistent she go out into a sea of zombies to to see her brother Johnny from the start of the film, even though he's blatantly a a, a zombie now. You know, it's the the big third act issue that lets all the zombies in in Day of the Dead, and twenty eight days later, I think, does it and. Um, countless, countless films have, have used this cliche of one character goes a bit mad and lets all the zombies in. Mm. So, you know, I, I might be more forgiving of it were it not something that I've seen a million times before. And it's not a zombie cliche that I like. <laughs> yeah, it's just annoying. So, I, th- I feel like we've been quite negative. <laughs> uh, generally speaking but it does what it sets out to do i think it's and it is very watchable it just feels a little bit run of the mill i think that's the problem been a bit more analytical than i would normally be but um i i still genuinely enjoyed the film a lot like i was fully gripped i was with it i was enjoying it i cried i got scared at moments or not scared but like thrilled I was very happy to watch it. I would watch it again. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I really like it. Um, I think it's a very good film. I, I, I'm short of saying great, but, you know, I, I, I'm i sure I'll watch it again at some point as well. It, it's just a very easily enjoyable, you know, action romp with, with zombies, and it does scratch that zombie itch for me. I, I think you asked about Zombieland if it, it did it for me on that level. This does. But, you know, on the flip side, it's not even my favourite zombie movie from 2016. And it's kind of a shame because I think it could have been a lot better with just a few tweaks, even just in the edit room. But, you know, ultimately, I, I do think it's a very good film. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I give it a... And this is a really solid uh score but i give it seven out of ten quite a high seven see i i would say low end of seven i gave it but yeah definitely lower end for me i am a i'm a high seven on that wow yeah seven's all round when was the last time we had a triple seven yeah very good i mean i think that's it this is the most seven film we've watched in a while i suppose isn't it <laughs> But yeah, uh, I think literally a month after this film came out, uh, it was followed up by a sequel called Soul Station. Have you guys seen that? No, but I read about it and I understand, you know, it's a sequel as in it was released later, but it's animated, isn't it? So it wasn't made in a month. Yeah, so I don't entirely know. It's very, it's surprisingly very difficult to dig up in-depth information about South Korean movies that's in English. My understanding is the director of both of these films, because it's the same director, mm-hmm. uh, Sang-ho Yeon, yeah. he seems to be someone who started and has come up through animation. And all of his previous movies prior to Train to Busan were animated films. The impression I get is he made this animated zombie movie, Soul Station, and then somewhere during the production was able to get funding to make Train to Busan, perhaps using some of Soul Station as pitch material yeah. to get money and so on. I don't know. And I think this film was actually completed and ready to go first, but the supplier, the distributors opted to hold it back until Train to Busan was released to capitalise on that film's success. So it is set before Train to Busan. I think it's set literally the day before Train to Busan, mm-hmm. kind of explaining the the start of the outbreak at Seoul Station. And so it plays as a weird little animated spin-off prequel, but I've seen a lot of people get very upset about it being called a prequel. But by my estimation, it is a prequel. Like Regardless of if it was made first, it got released after the other films. So it's a sequel which means it's a prequel. Okay. So what happens in, in Soul Station then? It, it's very cut from the same cloth. It, it's, again, there's nothing you haven't seen before. You know, it follows a number of characters as they g- try and escape zombies, really. Mm. Um, you know, there's a scene where they run to the they run to a police station to ask for help from the police. 
uh, zombies follow. They end up locking themselves in the sort of holding cell. Uh, so they've got all these zombies trying to get through the bars, and they're just in this little cell. There's a scene where they try and shimmy across a phone line or something across a street, and the zombies are jumping up at them. It's you know, it's very much again not really much in the way of story. Uh, and eventually, it seems to settle in on a plot around a sex worker. Uh, and, you know, to give this film some credit, Alan, it, it actually does have more interesting female characters with a bit of agency okay. than Train to Busan. Um, yeah, but one of the main characters is a sex worker who's, you know, trying to run away from her pimp and, and escape that. It's zombies, it's animated, it's decent. You know, I, I think it's very enjoyable. It's not as enjoyable as Train to Busan, uh, because you you trade in that pure spectacle of scale that you get with Train to Busan for hideous animation, <laughs> and I think that's a real shame because I I would love I cannot tell you how much I would love a nicely animated zombie movie <laughs> that's not like for kids. It's computer generated. It's this this very odd uh, animation style, which is kind of like cell shaded computer animated stuff, but it looks. It took me a while to really settle in on that and realise, yeah, no, this definitely isn't hand-drawn. You know, it's done very convincingly that I thought it might be hand-drawn for a bit. Uh, And I think it's largely done that way because they can have hundreds of zombies in a scene with a kind of copy-and-paste mechanic at play. But the problem with that is that you will literally see, like, three of the same zombies in one shot at a time. (laughs) So it just feels like a video game. Like, it's really not disguised at all. But, you know, just as a zombie movie, it's it's a decent zombie movie. And, you know, so I I give it a a very low 7 out of 10, this one. So what what about the the sequel that we're uh, building up to here now? Well, I, I just... I cannot wait. Have you seen the trailer for this, either of you? No, I have not. Oh, no, is it out? I'll, I'll look it up now. Hang on. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think you should both go and watch it now, because it's, um, it's not something where you need audio again, particularly. I think this the trailer for this film looks absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it, it's just it's more of the same, but it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah, I'd say this looks like full post-apocalyptic and, thing. And I think they've literally doubled the budget. <laughs> <laughs> And it's very clear to see in the trailer where the money's gone. It's set. uh, It's set four years after Train to Busan. Apparently, Korea is just completely gone. They just wrote it off. The film's called Peninsula, although I've seen certain, presumably American places, calling it Train to Busan presents Peninsula. It definitely feels a lot more, yeah, post-apocalyptic thing, which is a totally different feel to the first one. There's a, there's obviously a scene where with a full-on kind of gladiatorial combat thing. Yeah, yeah, that um, looks great. I want that. It feels like this is going to be a totally different film, though, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. I I think I think the heart and soul of Train to Busan is gung ho action, mm. you know, thrills, and I think this is a a perfectly adequate place to give us more of that. And, you know, I don't mind it being quite a departure from the first one, because the the third, uh, the second film, Soul Station, is, you know, by nature of being a weird little animated thing, already quite a radical departure. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad it's not just taking place on a train again, because it would be just like, well, you've done that. There's plenty of time to give us a sequel down the line where we just follow another character as the outbreak occurs. But, you know, we've seen that. You know, I, I think this film has an opportunity to give us something we haven't seen a million times before, even if only superficially speaking, uh, by combining different ingredients that I haven't seen quite put together in this way before. But I, I, I mean, I'm genuinely really excited for it. Now that Bob's Burgers the movie has been delayed into 2021, <laughs> this is my my most anticipated <laughs> film of the year. So, when I was watching Train to Be Sad, I was thinking... So when are they doing an American remake of this? Oh, they are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so is there talk of that? There is There is a, an officially... I think it got the green light pretty quickly off the back of uh, the first film coming out. I think James Wan, uh, if you know him, mm-hmm. the the conjuring guy who's, you know, big, big 
deal in Hollywood with all the Fast and Furious yeah. movies, uh, but also very much a horror guy. He's done so. a lot of... Um, yeah, yeah. James Wan is producing the English language remake, so I'm guessing it's just going to be a, an American take on the same film. To be honest, it, it seems completely, completely unnecessary to me, because I don't think they're going to do much different with it. No. You know, if you made a if you made a zombie movie on a train in the UK, I think it'd be very different because you've got to stop every, <laughs> you know, three minutes and little countryside villages that you're passing through. But you know, it, I think it's going to be pretty much the same deal here. It's just going to be like train to uh, Detroit <laughs> or whatever, and they have to. Oh, there's a militarized zone, and you have to go through this. I just don't see how they're going to do anything different. And like I say, because because Train to Busan is so visual, I don't really know what else you can do with it other than maybe giving the characters a bit more personality. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen. It's James Wan producing <laughs> it. You're probably going to get probably going to get uh, Patrick Wilson in the lead. <laughs> the, the, the the blandest everyman. You know, good actor, but <laughs> which character will Mark Wahlberg play? <laughs> Uh, the beefcake bodybuilder, obviously. <laughs> Although, having said that, you know, with with this whole Train to Busan presents franchising, um, feels very similar to the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Do you think maybe we could get the uh, the Rock in here, Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Oh, you can always yes, be the big beefcake. Always get the Rock. Yeah, get the Rock in as the beefcake uh, husband. Oh, but they couldn't get away with killing off the Rock that early. Ah, he can he can make it through till the final act and go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Well, oh, actually, yeah, you're right. I don't. No, you're right. I don't think he'd want to die. Actually, I think he'd want to stick around for sequels. So <laughs> they'll just they'll change it so that he takes the daughter of the guy and looks after her because he's a better dad. <laughs> Family of that guy. <laughs> That's Vin Diesel. The other guy. Um, yeah, it's the same franchise, isn't it? The guy, you know, the big beefcake guy. We are Groot. <laughs> In this film, there was something about him. I don't know what it was, but there was something about him that reminded me of Peter Serafinowicz. <laughs> I don't know quite. It's the it it's the face shape. Yeah, is it? <laughs> yeah, and plus Peter Serafinowicz is quite a, a very tall, imposing man. Yeah. I suppose he's got that as well. Um, but I could definitely yeah. see. Uh, see him playing that i don't know if that's the hollywood casting they would go for i mean the thing with this train to busan remake is it's it's being developed but i'm just i'm very skeptical about it actually getting made you know every successful foreign language film gets optioned and developed into a hollywood film and a lot of them never actually go anywhere. But it already just, feels a bit late, four years on. Yeah, I just I just don't see much of a market for it. And maybe I'm completely wrong, but I think people who are interested in a zombie movie on a train are the sort of people who might watch a South Korean zombie movie on a train. Mm. A film like this just doesn't seem like it makes sense to translate to me but but i think when when a foreign film does well like or when you want to remake it it's because like oh that's a really good concept let's take that concept and make it in a way that will have a a wider appeal to an english-speaking audience whereas with this i don't think there's anything here that has not been there's no there's no concept here do you know what i mean i think there is but you might as well just make a different film and not pay for the rights to train to be sad i I think just make zombies on a train Mm. and go yeah, we know there's this other zombie movie with like set on a train, but cop- they don't own a copyright over yeah, that, do they? You keep them on the train and use that. That's what I mean. Thing. Make make that the the whole film is you know get Kenneth Branagh in as as <laughs> with a little mustache. He's talking about the old grey matter. That's that's the that's the uh, the posh Poirot way of saying brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sol, you've managed to get zombies on the show again. Have we? Have, what other proper zombie films have we done? What that we? Oh, uh, Resident Evil one through all of them. We or did something. the whole franchise, yeah. Uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah, definitely that one. The Evil Dead quadrilogy, if you count those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reanimator yeah. trilogy. Um, you can make a case for Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein okay, in there. Yeah. Oh, Zombieland, Zombieland one and two. And uh, Pet Cemetery one and two as well, of course. So we've done we've done a solid amount there. Yeah. But there's a lot left to get to. You know, we we've still 
still not done George Romero's um, seminal trilogy. I, I cannot wait to to get to those films at some point. <laughs> but I mean, the problem with that is I think we really need at least two, if not three, episodes to to do them justice. And uh, you know, we're waiting for a, a place in the in the schedule where we can whack them in. All those zombie episodes available at dimreturns.com or just look mm-hmm. back on wherever you get your podcasts. It, they'll, you'll find them all there in our back catalogue. And we've, we we have a regular thing on our Patreon, Saul, aren't we? Where we obviously, we do Diminisos, but we've had a regular yeah. thing where you, we have episodes called Saul Recommends Zombies, where you basically just tell <laughs> me about zombie films you've watched recently. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's the segment on the show. It was, I think it was sort of a placeholder name that <laughs> we never improved upon. So that that's this week then. Um, thank you, Grace, for joining us, giving us your feelings here. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks. Thanks ever so much. And next week is something else. <laughs> <laughs>